All right, I got some statements for, to get us started today. Agree or disagree, not enough married people have fun in their marriages, right? Even the eight-year-old kid said the only way you can tell if they're married is if they're yelling at the same kids, not having enough fun. Okay, now, now, cut me some slack because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some funny or not funny statements. And this is typical stuff. This is not what I believe. This is typical stuff. Here's the funny or not funny. First one. A man doesn't know what happiness is until he gets married, and by then it's way too late to do anything about it. Is that funny or not funny? Okay, late. Yeah, the dudes are like, that's pretty funny, Chad over here. Chad's always the one that's going to speak up, and then he's always going to get in trouble later, right? Now, ladies, I don't ever want to discriminate against the ladies, so here's one for you. If a man says his wife can't take a joke, he, he needs to remember she married him. Oh, yeah, yeah, ladies like that one, I see. Okay, going to have to have a little fun today, right? If you can't have fun today, you got problems, right? So we're going to have some fun. Um, again, <laughs> we're going to be looking at the Song of Solomon. And so PG-13, I'm just going to tell you that now. Now, tell me if you've seen this pattern. I've seen this pattern. I've been a minister for 37 years, uh, 19 years as, as a youth minister, 17, almost 18 as the pastor of this church. Here's the pattern. A lot of couples have a lot of fun when they're dating. Then they get married. What happens to the fun? It's gone. They stop enjoying each other. But I think God wants us to enjoy each other for a lifetime. And I know that because of the uh, verses he put in the Bible. Here's one from Ecclesiastes 9, 9. Live happily. Live how? With the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. Now, hang on. If you know anything about Solomon, I believe he wrote Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. When he's tried, he had, what, 700 wives, 300 concubines. He was an idiot at that point. He gets to Ecclesiastes, he writes this, and he says, don't do what I did. One woman is enough. And all the men said, amen, one is enough. But at the end of his life, he's looking back, and I, I believe he's saying, don't, do not do what I did. He says, live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Without fun, without adventure, without romance, without physical intimacy, marriage is kind of this business relationship where you cover this, I'll cover that. It's two roommates living under the same roof, but they don't have anything really in common except this business relationship. You go there, I'll go here, we'll take care of all of the problems. What's interesting to me is that people don't fall in love having a bad time, do they? Right? If you, if you have a really bad first date, chances are you're not going to have a second date. How often do you hear of a woman saying this? I'm totally bored with him, and I love him. Right? You, I've not heard that one. What you'll hear somebody say, have you said, this guy is awesome. When we get together, we have nothing in common. There's zero conversation. You can hear a pin drop. All we do is stare at the ceiling until he starts playing video games. And then as he veges out and ignores me, it just makes my heart go pitter-pat, pitter-pat, pitter-pat. <laughs> Some of our good friends, that's what she says. They've been married 30-something, uh, no, 40 years. And she said, when he does these certain things, it makes my heart go pitter-pat. That's how she says That's how, our, and, and she means when he does something romantic, 40 years into the marriage, it still makes her heart beat faster. Vegging out with some dude that's ignoring you, that doesn't make any woman's heart go pitter-pat. What you hear is, I can't wait to see them. We have so much fun. He makes me laugh. She gets my jokes. And let me tell you, I dated some girls that did not get my jokes. They had no sense of humor. And I remember thinking, I can't do this forever. 
And one of the things that attracted me to Janie was not only did she get my jokes, she's sassy. She got jokes. We love laughing. I, I just think back of all of these years we've known each other, known each other for 36 years, been married for 29 years, and, and I remember all of the fun times, and she would dare me to do stuff, and I would do it just to hear her giggle. To this day, I love to hear her giggle. It makes my heart go pitter pat. If there wasn't some fun, you wouldn't get married in the first place. But then that big day happens, and all the adventure and fun seems to go out. Now, Guys, you need to remember, here's the sad truth. You pursued her when you were dating. You married her and you quit pursuing her. You started pursuing other things. Let me ask you this. Those of you guys who hunt, if you were to shoot a monster deer next weekend, opening season, what would you do? Would you take pictures of it? Would you brag about that? Would you pay way more money than you should to have that sucker mounted? And in my case, my first ever deer is mounted and it's in the shed where no one will ever see it because Janie wouldn't let it in the house. Now, when I got my first deer, did I go, oh, that's done. I don't need to go deer hunting anymore. Anyone? What do you want to do if you've got a monster deer? You want to go out and get another one and another one. And you'll spend a tremendous amount of time and money preparing food plots and, and mowing down where you can see you've got shooting alleys from your deer stand, right? You keep working at it. Why don't we do that with our marriages? We put the work in when we're dating, but then we stop. You quit doing what, what you used to do, and you turned your attention to something else, and don't you think for a second she doesn't notice. She notices. So I want you to write this down. Fun is not a luxury in marriage. It is a necessity. Fun is not a luxury. It's a necessity. But we don't have time for fun. I'm going to tell you, you don't have time not to have fun. If you don't have some fun in your marriage, it won't be very long before you don't have a marriage any longer. So I want to talk about three types of fun today. First type of fun is face-to-face fun. Everybody say face-to-face fun. That's where we enjoy each other's company. Because when you're dating, what do you do? You talk. Nowadays, you have unlimited talk and text. We didn't have that when Janie and I were married. We used to, she was a poor college student. I was a poor youth minister. We lived in separate towns until the day we were married. And so we would buy those old um, cards, you know, calling cards that you'd have some 50 minutes or whatever. And there were times she's going, she would call me and she'd say, I don't know how much time I have left. We got to talk fast. Oh, I love you. Well, I love you. And sometimes, sometimes we would run out and I, and I would just say, I'm just going to pay the, the long distance bill. Right. And I would call her back. I wasn't done telling you how much I love you. Remember when you used to talk for hours and remember how you would just sit there sometimes and listen to each other breathing? I'm not talking like heavy breathing. I'm not talking, you know, our breathing. I'm talking about normal breathing just because just you love to be around each other and you just love, love to hear each other's voice. Too many couples quit talking after the wedding. They reduced their face-to-face business uh, relationship to a business. Soccer practice today. Or you divide and conquer. You know, there were times when Janie would go one town with the girls to, to, for a gymnastics meet, and I would take Caleb somewhere else for a soccer meet. And, and, you know, just all these different things. It becomes, well, the air conditioner's out. You do this. You get the oil changed, and you do this. And, and, and it's a business relationship. It's not face-to-face. It's not intimate. And it's not working. We have to do something different. What I want to do is show you three types of, of fun that every couple must have. And we're going to pull it out of the Song of Solomon. And, and we're just going to look at how our relationships can be better. And I want you to watch in this first one what Solomon does. He starts, this is him and the Shulamite woman. And, and this is, if you've never studied the Song of Solomon, study the Song of Solomon with your spouse and you will have some fun, I'm promising you. Because the Jews knew how 
to, to celebrate the fact that God created sex. Sex is not dirty. God created it, and they celebrate it, and the Song of Solomon is one of the best ways to celebrate that. And I want you to watch what he's doing. He starts at her feet, works all the way up to her eyes, and by the time he describes what he loves about her, she's his. This guy's good. Watch this. How beautiful are your sandaled feet, O queenly maiden. Your rounded thighs are like jewels, the work of a skilled craftsman. Your navel is perfectly formed like a goblet filled with mixed wine. Your waist is like a heap of wheat set about with lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle. Evidently, he's really excited that they're twins. There's two of them, and they're in the right place. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. And let me tell you something. When I was in fifth grade, this is as God is my witness. So once a week, we used to read the Bible, and it was different people. And she would go around and let different people, our fifth grade teacher, she actually was the organist at my church. And I, I swear that woman never smiled in her life, even when she's in God's presence playing. She didn't smile at school. She didn't smile at church. And so one night I was at Bible study. I, I never had a choice. I had to go with my mama, and I usually fell asleep. And so I'd be laying over on my mom, and I knew that they were reading the Song of Solomon. As God is my witness, I didn't know what it meant. They had no clue. So my buddy sitting across this, the table, his name is Barry. And Barry said, Doug, it's my turn to read. I don't know what to read. And I go, Song of Solomon. Dude starts reading Song of Solomon and talking about these breasts and all this stuff. And I'm going, <laughs> I got sent to the principal's office and got my rear end beat for daring to read God's word. Anyway, I didn't know, but they didn't believe me, so they whooped my tail. I've never forgotten this passage. Your neck is as beautiful as an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Heshbon by the gate of Beth Rabim. You need to understand, this might not work on, on your spouse, but back then this was a big deal. He was describing the most magnificent things in their world. And he says, you remind me of that. Your eyes are like the sparkling pools in Heshbon by the gate of Beth Rabim. Your nose is as fine as the tower of Lebanon looking over Damascus. Don't say to her, your, your nose is like the Empire State Building. That's probably not going to work. The king is held captive. Oh, wait, I missed the hair. Your head is as majestic as Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, we're going to go to next summer on our trip. And we're going to stand up there, and it's going to be one of the most beautiful valley scenes that you have ever seen in your life. And he says, your, your hair is like that. This king, the king is held captive by its tresses. Oh, how beautiful you are. How pleasing, my love. How full of delights. You are slender like a palm tree. Your breasts are like clusters of fruit. And I'm, I laughed at this part when I was in fifth grade. I said, I will climb the palm tree and take hold of its fruit. When I was fifth grade, I knew what that meant. I was like, does it really say that? May your breasts be like grape clusters and the fragrance of your breath like apples. May your kisses be as exciting as the best wine flowing gently over the lips and teeth. And I forgot to put, this is a different quotation. He was talking that whole time. Here's what she says. I am my lovers. She gave herself to him because he was describing all this stuff. And he says, and, she, and he claims me as his own. So what's he doing? He's talking to her face to face, but what's he really doing? He's giving her the details. Men, if you want to move, move closer to your wife, you got to give her the deets. Everybody say deets. That means details if you haven't ever watched Parks and Recreation. He wants to give her the deets. Men want the headlines. Women want the deets. They want the details, right? They talk, and, and, and uh, uh, in the Love and Respect series, he talks about it's spider webbing, you know, and they'll start off and give you some facts here, and then they jump over here, and they jump over here, and most men are like deer in the headlines. We don't know where you just went. Guys want just the facts, just the headlines. The women want the deets. So you got to talk to her because here's the thing. Women connect to you, men, 
through, through talking. Their heart is connected to your heart through talking. This was so funny. So last week, I mean, it was a Tuesday. It was a week, last week or week before. I did not see Janie the entire day. And then I got home late and, um, and somebody was at the house. And so Janie and I didn't get to talk. And, and, you know, I don't care if somebody's at the house. I'm going to bed when it's bedtime. So I go to bed. And I didn't know this happened until till Rachel told me. Rachel said to me, she goes, Dad, on that Tuesday, Mama didn't get to talk to you. So she calls me at 1030 at night just to talk. We talked for an hour just about all kinds of stuff because she didn't get to talk to you. She needed some talk time, but she didn't get it because we just didn't have any face-to-face time that day. You must guard it. You must protect it. Because if you do that, life, if you don't do that, life will squeeze the enemy out of, out of your face-to-face time. It happens to all of us. Janie's number one um, love language is quality time. And let me just tell you this. It took me several years to figure this out. We love going to movies. We love doing all kinds of stuff together. But that's not quality time with my wife. I can hold her hand. I snuggle with her. I love watching movies with my wife. But that does not count as quality time. I have to go somewhere and sit down with her face. And I'm not saying it's bad. I go because I like looking at her. I love her lips. I love to kiss her to this day. I love her eyes. I, anyway, okay, so I like face-to-face time, right? But quality time for her is when we go have a cup of coffee. Or if we're on a cruise, one of our favorite things, every night we go watch the movie, the late movie, and then we'll go get some ice cream or we'll go get coffee, whatever, just sitting together by ourselves. And it's why we like to go on a cruise by ourselves because we have all kinds of face-to-face time. That's quality time. If you share something in our small group and your spouse goes, I didn't know that, you're not having enough face-to-face time, right? You have to create it, you have to guard it, or your marriage is going to suffer. And just for the record, driving to your children's activities, um, sitting in the stand, sitting on your cell phone, that doesn't count as face-to-face time. That's not quality time. You've got to spend some time where it's just the two of you. You've got to rekindle all that. So face-to-face, everybody say face-to-face. Second type of fun we need to have is side-to-side. Everybody say, side-to-side fun. This is where you're hanging out with your best friend. This is recreational companionship. That's one of my highest in the his needs, her needs. There's 10 needs everyone has. The, the, the husband has five, she has five, and you have to figure out, well, one of my highest is recreational companionship. One of my favorite stories is when Janie and I were on a cruise. We were dirt poor, didn't have enough money to do anything, and so we're sitting on this free beach. And there's all of these inflatable games out there. There's a water trampoline. There's this big slide. There's all of this stuff. And I said, I think I want to do that. And Janie goes, go ahead. And I said, by myself? And we had been reading his needs, her needs. She goes, is this recreational companionship? I said, so my wife swims out in the ocean with me. It was hilarious. We're climbing up this. I'm talking like a 25-foot slide. We climb up, and it's not easy, and I'm having to help her, and I'm having a good time helping her. Hey, baby, let me help you. We get to the top, and she's like, I don't know if I want to jump off. And I jump off, and I'm like, come on, baby, come on down. And she jumps off. We had so much fun. We laugh about that. It's one of my favorite memories recreational companionship. She did something with me. Look what, look what the Shulamite woman says in Song of Songs, chapter 7, verse 11. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. She wants to go camping. How cool is that? Do something together that you're going to have fun. Have somebody else take care of the kids. Leave the house. Get away. Have some fun. Just as women tend to crave face-to-face, men like side-to-side. We like to have a friend. And when you do something with him, it makes him feel valued. 
um, and he sees you as his best friend. It's just this bonding experience for you. When Janie and I got married, we li- uh, before we got married, we were engaged. We lived in different cities, and so she was in um, she was at Sam Houston State down in Huntsville, and I was in Austin. And she used to just show up, right? I wouldn't even know. I would think, oh, she's not coming this weekend. She'd get into town. So we actually had some friends in the church who gave her a key to their house, and they called it Janie's room. So she would come in. She had her room. Even we were without a pastor at the church that I was at at the time, and they would host the pastor, and they'd say, no, that's Janie's room. You can't stay there. You have to sleep in this other room over here. Until we got married, she had a key to their house. It was her room, and she would just show up. She didn't have to tell them. They'd wake up sometimes, and Janie would be in there, and they'd go, oh, I guess Janie came to see Doug today. It was the coolest thing. She would just show up. One night, we had a, we had a lock-in. And, and the re- part of the reason I got out of youth ministries, I was just too old to stay up all night. But we have this lock-in. Janie shows up. We're playing putt-putt. And she knew that I was going to be chasing teenagers all night. She just wanted to hang out with me. And it meant so much to me. When we got married, we were in Arlington. And we were, we were dirt poor. She was a school teacher. And I was, I was a youth minister. I was at seminary. And our church would do this thing where once a year for one week, it was around Mother's Day, one week you would turn off the TV, you wouldn't answer the phone, you know, none of those things. You were just supposed to enjoy each other's company. And so we would have a date night every night, but because we didn't have money, we had to be creative. Well, she's at school one day and I'd gotten home from seminary. She calls me and she says, hey, I got an idea for tonight. She said, let's go to the the church, the parking lot, let's play basketball. Now, if you know Janie, one of her life statements is, I will never chase a ball, right? So I was like, you want to play basketball with me? She goes, yeah. So we go to the church. It's just the two of us. We play for about an hour, and it was so much fun. And then we went home, and we did the other kind of fun, and, and it was awesome. Maybe he wants you to play golf with him, and you don't like golf. That's irrelevant. You like him. Maybe she wants you to do something, and, and you don't like doing that. You do it because you like him or her, Right? Ladies, you enter his world and and do something with him, and and it's going to mean something to him. Now, I will say this. Janie does not want me to go shopping with her, and I'm so grateful to God because I would rather have needles poked in my eyes because because even even when we go to Sam's, so we have a date sometimes, and we'll go to Sam's, and we'll buy stuff for the church, but then it's, it's almost like I have a stopwatch, and it's almost like a competition. You go here, you go here. Let's see if we can get out in less time than we did last. You know, it's just that type of thing. So she's like, you go do something else, and so when, when we uh, used to go on weekends, and I would save up money, and I'd do a Groupon, and we'd go to Dallas, and I would, I would give her money to go shopping with, and I would go, and I'd put my headphones in, find a tree in the shade, turn on the car, and I would just snooze. And she could shop as long as she wanted to. It's some of the most fun weekends we ever had. And every now and then, I'll just kind of lose myself and my godliness and my Christ-likeness for her and and I'll watch an entire TV show about wedding dresses. Or one of the 800 fixer-upper shows that are on every once in a while, not, not very often. Because she usually walks in, she goes, here, you can change it. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. But every once in a while, I just want to enter her world and just remind her that I love her and that I enjoy being around her. Ladies, how many of you would like it if your guy would talk more to you? Anyone? Like three of you. Rest of you talk too much. Okay. Well, for those three who want your guy to talk more here, I've got some advice for you. The rest of you, I don't know. Here's when he's going to be most likely to talk to you. When he's doing something with you, he enjoys. Or right after he's done something with you, he enjoys. 
I don't know what's funny about that. I'm not. But but you understand what? So he he is he is drawn to you, and his heart is opened up. And if you want those walls to fall down around his heart, you do something with him that he enjoys. So three types of fun: face to face fun, side to side fun. Are you ready for the third one? Belly button to belly button fun, and somebody says, "Hey, man." Okay, one, two, two. I thought it'd be a little more happy than that. I want you to see what she says to him in, in Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verses 11 and 12. Come, my love, let us go out to the fields and spend the night among the wildflowers. Let us go up early and go to the vineyards to see if the grapevines have budded, if the blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates have bloomed. There I will do what? I will give you my love. In plain English, she says, let's go have sex in the park. As God is my witness, that's what it means. Now, don't you dare say, the Bible says to have sex in a park. If you get arrested, don't call me, right? Don't quote you. My pastor said, no, I'm telling you not to, right? I'm telling you not to. She says, let's have some belly button to belly button fun. And he's like, yeah, baby. And some of you are really uncomfortable because you've been taught that sex is bad. But our heavenly father created sex for marriage. There are two times in the scripture where it says sex is, is wrong. Fornication is when unmarried people are, are having sex. It's wrong before God. Adultery is when you're married to someone, you're having sex with someone else, and that is wrong and will be punished by God. But God applauds sex in marriage. And, and it's actually whenever God tells you no, it's for two positive reasons. So his no is always positive because he's the perfect, loving, heavenly father. He, he tells you no to protect you, not just from sexually transmitted diseases. There's some stuff that's going to stick with you way more than that, emotionally transmitted diseases, to protect you from those types of things and to provide for you. So our wedding night, it was awesome that Janie had never been with anybody. I'd never been with anybody, and God blessed our time, and he says, go unwrap your gift and make love to one another. God applauds it in marriage, not outside of marriage. And let me tell you how I know God applauds it. Look at this, Proverbs 5, 18 and 19. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be, what's that word? Captivated by her love. May God just bless the reading of his word. May her breast satisfy you always. And this word captivated actually means to be held hostage by her love. There was a time she had your heart. And by the time a lot of people come to see me for marriage counseling, they've taken it back. And you need to give it back to her. The Bible says it should be hers. Ladies, you signed up to be the only woman to, that he would ever go after. And, and if, you, if you withhold from him, you're, you're not giving him any any godly options. You are his only godly option. Guys, if she has your heart, if you spend some face-to-face -face time with her, if you spend some side-by-side -side time with her, you know what, what will happen? You will have her body because her, her body will go where her feelings go. Now, let me give you some advice today because I believe that's one of the best things I can do for your marriage is give you some advice about some physical and intimate fun. All right, dudes, first for you. Come on, work on your approach. Do something different for a change, right? Don't get out of the shower and walk around like you're stud of the universe, go, hey, baby, you want some of this? 
right? Because ladies, ladies, you know, you know he can make everything sexual, right? You can say, hey, would you make me a bowl of cereal? And he'll go, I'll make you a bowl of cereal. <laughs> hey, the check engine light is on in my car. I'll check your engine. Right? You know that. Come on, guys, let's get creative. Let's romance. Let's, let's listen. Let's connect. Rub her feet, right? <sighs> Work on it. Be tender. All right, ladies, I got, I got some advice for you too. Ladies, make an approach, any approach. You can say, you want some of this? And he'll go, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all it takes, right? And ladies, can I tell you this? Whatever you've got looks better in silk than flannel. I don't even care what you got. It looks better in silk. Get some lingerie, go on a date, play some music, draw a bath, give a back rub, put on Marvin Gaye and say, let's get it on. (laughs) Now, some of you are thinking, we don't have time for that. I'm just going to tell you, you don't have time for that. We have little kids. Back in my day, Dora the Explorer was a big deal. Now you can, you can record it. You can get a DVD. You can put it on. You can run into the bedroom, lock the door, and say, hurry up, baby. We've got 22 and a half minutes. Go, Diego, go. <laughs> right? God applauds mar- uh, sex in marriage. Have some fun. By the way, the offering better be good today. <laughs> and we should have a whole lot of baby dedications in about nine and a half months. I'm just saying. Now... It's generally true that men desire physical intimacy more than women do. But ladies, when you turn off the faucet, this is a crisis for him. It is just as much a crisis if he stops talking to you emotionally. When you cut him off sexually, he has no other option. Everything else is sin. You are the only option. And sex is one of the greatest ways that we can show our love to each other. It's, it's actually renewing a covenant. And if you hear me do, I, I, don't, I don't believe in a contract for a marriage. It's a covenant. A covenant is where we say to God, may you rip us apart limb by limb if we go back on the promises we made before you and before the witnesses here. So when, when I married Janie, I, I mean, I jokingly say this, but I said, I'll, I'll, I'll give you 50 years. 50 years. After that, we got to renegotiate. And so we count it down. 21 more years to go, baby. But I mean that because I, I want to I pursue her and, and be married to her for the long haul. Ladies, what you need to realize is that if he's not getting his sexual needs met by you, he has no other option. One of the greatest things you can do for each other is to engage in frequent, creative, and spiritual love made, making because it is a gift. It's a gift from your, your creator. It's a gift to your spouse. It honors your creator and it renews that covenant. Now, some of you are going to say, but he's a jerk. I don't even like him, and I really don't like you for telling me I have to have sex with him. I get this all the time. I'm telling you, whenever I bring out Scripture and and it says that we're not to withhold our bodies from one another, I have women that get mad at me because how dare you tell me to... It's not me. It's your Heavenly Father who said you're supposed to do that. He's a jerk. I don't like him. Well, feelings follow actions. That's what you need to know. You start doing what you once did, and you'll have what you once had. If, if there was fun in your marriage, you start having fun again. If there was romance, you start doing it again. You know, one of the things that Jesus told one of the churches in Revelation is he said, you have left your first love. And if you're having issues in your marriage, you have left your first love. And, and the same thing he told that church, if they were going to become the church that God wanted them to be, is the same thing he's going to tell you. He says, go back and do what you once did. 
return to those things that you once did. Work at it. But I don't like it. But there's this guy at work, and he meets my emotional needs, and he looks better. Or there's this girl at the gym, and she seems to be more fun. If the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own yard. And you've neglected it for for much too long. Invest in the marriage that God has given you. Enjoy the spouse that God has given you. And if you think it's too difficult, you need to remember this. Nothing is impossible with God. And if you'll make the first commitment, which is we're going to seek God together. And if you'll learn to fight fair. And if you'll have fun. And if you'll stay uh, pure. And if you'll never, never, never give up. The God who created you. The God who created sex. The God who created the sexes, male and female will invade your marriage and give you what you used to have. But you have to do things his way. There's no promise for those who go outside the scripture. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Father, we just, we acknowledge to you that sometimes we pursue things other than our spouse. Sometimes we put things higher than our spouse, and that is wrong. We sometimes put things higher than you, and that's idolatry. And, and so you need to be our number one. Our spouse needs to be our number two. Our children are lower down than that. Our church is lower down than that, God. Help us to get the priorities right and help us to pursue our significant others again. And we ask you to re- reignite that flame, God, and protect us from the, the evil one. You, you said you are faithful. And you'll strengthen us and protect us from the evil one. So I pray for that over all of the marriages here at church, all of, over all of those who are watching online today, God. Make us into the type of marriages that even lost people say, you have something I don't have and we can just point them to you. We have a heavenly father who loves us, who gave us all things to enjoy. Make us a church filled like that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.